0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. Um, Let's do this. We'll just go. It's Leicester City nil, Liverpool four. That was the same scoreline when Liverpool won the Premier League. So that obviously means that we will win the Premier League. We're going to have a wee chat about um, pre-season, who's impressed us. Have a look at a couple of arrivals and then look at the transfer business, which has been done and which has not yet been done. I've got Jay Reid, I've got Chief and I've got Andy Bell. So let's kick off. Um, Andy, Leicester, it was 4-0. They looked fairly shite, to be honest. Um, the game was done in eight minutes. Very like old school Liverpool, which I enjoyed. Um, Nunez, Jada and Bobby Clark with the goals and then took with one at the end but um, yeah I think we scored four goals in all three of our friendly so far, that was the first time we've kept a clean sheet but like who really stood out for you um, What are you starting to see after three games any sort of patterns any sort of you know Coaching that's maybe starting to take place, where players might be starting to, you know, forge a position and decide for themselves moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think the most interesting things are the the front three and the composition of the midfield. You know, I still think that Allison will play every game. Trent will play the hybrid role, or maybe even just the six role. I think that's more dependent on what we do in the transfer markets. We'll come up to talk about rather than where we actually want them. Van Dijk and Canate will play when fit, and Robertson, as much as there's been a little bit of chat about him, I think will still play in that left-centre-back, left-back role. Um, So I think the front three is the one I'm really looking at, because towards the end of last season, it was very clear that there was a hierarchy where Gakpo was playing more or less every game in the nine, Salah was playing on the right. He did give Diaz a little bit of a run of games, but then Jota came into it, and Nunez was very much fifth choice, but In each of the three friendlies so far, Nunez has played in the same team as Salah has played in, which makes you think that when you see them actually linking up quite well, that that's possibly something he could start the season with. That said, he came out and basically said that Darwin's crap at defending from the front in his post-match interview. So I'm not sure whether it's a give give Darwin the rope to hang himself with and say, listen, you're playing with a first-choice front three here. There's no excuse not to have this now. Um, or what's the case, but obviously you know Darwin's been very good in front of the goal, so that's something that 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 we have to weigh up, and uh, and yeah, a couple of players that have impressed for me. I, th- I think Jota, as we talked about in the last podcast, just looks dead dead sharp. I think we say this is the first pre season he's had in quite a while, and he looks good for it. He looks good for the rest. He looks good for haven't been given the the opportunity to, uh, to to properly fully recover from this injury and. We just saw what he could do towards the end of last season, important goals, big goals, big goals at big times. And, you know, I think he's got what, what, three goals this preseason so far, and he could have had a couple more. one where he's quite unlucky, I think, in the greater first game. He just sticks it wide because he was a bit off balance, but, like, the anticipation to knock it on and make the chance for himself was, was brilliant. And he's like a little bulldozer at times, just that burst of energy. I don't think he's anywhere near the quickest, over, like, 30, 40 yards on our team, but... He's got that little burst that, that Mami had, that, that Suarez had, the explosiveness, which is so crucial. And obviously he is somebody who can defend from the front. He is the pressing monster, and he, you know, he you give him a tactical instruction in, in terms of how to defend from the front, and he will do it. And the other one I just want to talk about, because uh, I don't want to take everyone on the uh, – before the other lads come in, is McAllister. I just think he – quite similarly to Diaz, when Diaz first came in, and you just thought he fitted us like a glove. And he almost like fitted us better than players who'd been there for five years in terms of like the counter pressing, the running, the positioning, how to defend from the front in the way a Liverpool forward has to do. That's that's what I that's what struck me with Diaz when he first came in. And it's it's what strikes me about McAllister, like a Liverpool midfielder. And we'll not get back into the Henderson debate, but one of the reasons I like Henderson is because while he's not the best on the ball, he tries to do things quickly and get it moving quickly, and it's very much I'm gonna receive the ball and I'm gonna progress it through the through the phases as quickly as I can. He's he's one touch. He knows exactly what he's doing before he gets the ball. And, you know, he doesn't try and hit a six off every ball, to use a cricketing analogy, but when the pass is there to slide it through, he does it. And he does it perfectly weighted. And, you know, I was at, like, slightly worse. I don't watch an awful lot of football outside of Liverpool and, you know, McAllister were told he's this player. He's not, he's not big, he's not quick, he's not particularly strong. Um... And he doesn't score particularly many goals. So, you know, what does he actually do? And you've just seen it. It's, it's that playing between the lines. It's that intelligence. It's that... It's, it's just knowing exactly where to be, exactly what to do. And he's he's almost like a chess player who's three or four, uh, three or four moves ahead of anyone else on the pitch at times. So I, I think his brain and his football and intelligence will mean he'll become a fan favourite very, very quickly.
0: Yeah, Chief, McAllister... It looks as though he's brought an element of directness. Um, Liverpool, it, is, it passes through the lines, it passes through the middle, it passes kind of in the midfield within the width of the 18-yard box and we're, we're kind of relying less on that width. But it looks like something the forwards are absolutely thriving on and there's obviously a little bit of debate around the forwards. Nunez is... He's done what he did last preseason. He's absolutely banged them in. Um, but you've got Diaz there, who scored a great goal, he's always lively, he's let's be honest, probably the most skillful of, of the five. Um Jordan has been scoring his hand. He said Gakpo seems to be playing an eight-ish kind of weird sort of position, and and like Salah. Salah. It, it, I think his his playmaking is really underrated. I think it's one going five assists. That's ridiculous. But there do seem to be partnerships being created there and I think McAllister is certainly facilitating giving those guys the space to be able to start to do that. Absolutely. He he sort of knits things together as you say
2: uh, and as was mentioned earlier. He's sort of, he's just very quick, very sharp, very sharp with his passing, very, very alert. And, you know, the ball moves quicker through there. Sabozla is also interesting, like, he, he looks, I mean, I didn't know very much about him at all. So that was probably about the first time I probably saw him play for a bit. And um, he looks good. You know, he looks very sharp very switched on uh he's got obviously great set piece delivery as well which paid off and um he's gonna be he's gonna be exciting McAllister can facilitate the front the front players really well though because you know a lot of them have got pace to get in behind particularly Nunes of course and that ball coming a bit quicker will will help them massively um, Salah, as well, you were talking about his playing me again. I mean, he, he sort of took it a, a wee step back in pre season just to conduct the orchestra a little bit, but um, you're right, the partnerships are being developed, and that's what needed to happen because last season we had a load of we had a sort of a disjointed side, we had a, we had our uh, our problems as as were well documented, and with players bedding in. And players who left in that front line and we, we had the sort of the the, the tools there, but we didn't, didn't know how to use them and didn't know how to sort of use them together. So with a bit of luck, we're beginning to see properly sort of um, relationships become developed and, and, and cemented, hopefully. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's one area of the pitch where you. You feel you've got uh, k- kind of an embarrassment of riches and if you can work out exactly how to use them uh, to to get the best out of them all, which I'm sure we can. Um, that's that's sort of one area that uh, you're pretty confident is is boxed for now. Um, obviously, we'll we'll come on to talk about other areas, but McAllister looks like a great signing. He just sort of oozes quality, um, I've sort of seen him come through with, with Brighton, sort of from being. From not really being um, first choice regularly under Graham Potter to to sort of becoming the the absolute focal point for Deserby's Brighton and obviously then he stars at the World Cup and that's where he really sort of bursts the in the in the global recognition you'd say but I mean he, he looks every bit you know the World Cup winner he he, he looks he uses quality really and uh, and sort of surety on the ball. In the centre there, so so that has been lacking. There's there's no doubt. Sometimes we take too many touches. We are a bit slow. We don't you know progress the ball necessarily as we should. So it should help
0: a lot. Yeah, there. The, obviously, Jay, we, we've done a bit of business. It, it looks sensible. It looks surgical in um, McAllister and Sobotka. You on the other hand have kind of you've noticed a couple of, of the the Academy players coming through. Um improved we have Bobby Clark scores, um McConnell's been mentioned, and and obviously Doke gets some games towards the end of last season. Um certainly gets some minutes people are excited about him. He gets a goal against Leicester as well. Um you know which of these guys have stood out for you and do any of them really stand a chance in, in forging their way into the first team? Do we have Trent Alexander-Arnold or Curtis Jones in, in that group?
3: Um Potentially. Uh I've been, I've been impressed with McConnell because I don't know who he is. I've never heard of him before pre-season um, and he just looks a very Neat and tidy player, um, as reference with like McAllister and stuff, and whatever, like looks to to just play the right pass, but play it quickly and always seems to want to look forward for the pass. Um, you know, we, we've seen like, you know, the likes of Stefan Bisesic sort of materialise over the season. I, I can, well, I hope that we don't get to the situation during the season coming where we're looking down to the reserve and seeing the likes of McConnell. Coming in, nothing to feature for us. But the competitions that we are in next year, so the Europa League, for example, presents itself with an opportunity. Excuse me for the lads of the likes of Ben Doak, and, you know, even you look fair down list of lads who featured in preseason. Connor Bradley, I think he's picked up a small injury, but whether he sticks around for for the season or whether he goes on loan, the likes of Jarrell Kwanzaa, who's coming at centre half, looks look, looks a talent. You know, like there's, there's obviously. There's faults in this game like there isn't any youngster. But, you know, he's clearly got some level of ability and looks very comfortable in the ball, which is always crucial in modern-day football, really. You know, the the days of the lumpy, header, kicker sort of center of are sort of well-famed out now. Um, Ask Harry Maguire how that works for him, but he can't even do that anymore. But I think if we look back at what Arsenal did last year and how they started the season... Like they flew out the blocks and by Christmas, Arsenal Fan TV had the title wrapped up. But, you know, as things materialise the game, uh, the season's not won after 19 games, it's won over 38. So, you know, back in the box for them. But they got to that point where they were playing basically two different teams. So they had a Premier League team and a Europa League team. And there's no reason why we can't do that for the first half of the season and get ourselves a solid platform to build from the league. and. And use, you know, a mix of some of these youngsters and other squad players. You know, you think of the likes of who we've got in the round of squad at the moment, like Harvey Elliott, is he going to be a Premier League starter week in, week out, like he, he was for the majority of last season? I would raise the question of maybe not. Costas Simicus, Joe Gomez, Kevin Keller, who's still in goal for us as our backup keeper. You know, the opportunities there for these lads to play, well, six games in the Europa League group stage maybe two or three games in the in the Carabao Cup and, you know, maybe get a couple of minutes here and there in Premier League games. You know, the, the carrots being dangled for them. And that could also have a dual effect and benefit us in the in the Premier League, allowing us to just play our strongest eleven once a week rather than, you know, when the Champions League comes round, you you're playing your best seven or eight players every three or four days and eventually time will tell and injuries will happen so it could have a positive effect on these young lads being exposed to you know first team players over what is now about three or four weeks and you know going on on long trips to the likes of Singapore away from home having to to probably you know mature on on the spot and become you know young men even like as you know some of them will become men very quickly but it's a positive for us and the academy's there to serve a purpose of allowing us to bring these players through and not every player will make it and very few do. You, like you mentioned Curtis and Trent are probably the only ones who've really come through in the last five, six, seven years, something like that. But it also creates an opportunity for these lads to, to get a bit, a bit of exposure and if the career doesn't maybe happen for them at Liverpool. You know they can move on and maybe it's a level down maybe they end up in the championship or something like that but they can still go on and have good careers because they've got this good grounding and this good foundation to work from where they've they've learned from the very best and it, it can only benefit them in the long term so from what i have seen the pre-season those couple of young lads who are there have, have certainly impressed for me
0: Yeah, it's really hard to tell. There's been so many false dawns with with young players. Um, for every Trent Alexander Arnold, there's an Adam Morgan, for example. For, for every Trent Alexander Arnold, there's twenty Adam Morgans and Ben Wood. Well, yeah, yeah. So you know, <laughs> you know that that's where we are. Jay Spearings and 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 the rest. That that's just the way it is. Um, and football can be cruel that way. All right, um, let's take. A little while to look at some of who we suggest will be our our rivals. Let's start with Man United. Um Andy. Man United last season it's hard, it's hard to really know what to make of them. Um they finished third, which is wild. Um they achieved seventy five points. With a goal difference of plus fifteen, they only score 58 goals. Now, put that in comparison to ourselves, we score 75 goals. Now, granted, there was there was a number of those in, in, in a short in a small small sample of games against the MP in one of them. Um but they have made kind of sensible signings. They bought the goalkeeper that they need who can play it from the back in Onana, that's, that's 42 million. Um, they've bought a midfielder who can be, like everything that Pogba wasn't, tactically disciplined, aware, selfless, creative, uh, and they've gone out and spent a massive amount of money on a, a young centre forward. Um, and they've, they've also brought Johnny Evans in, which I think hilariously is, is to... Re- Johnny Evans probably needs a spinal replacement um, to replace Harry Maguire. That must be what they think of Harry Maguire. The business is good, but like, how much closer do you think that gets them? And, you know, where do we now, given, given where we are squad-wise, um, see ourselves alongside them? Champions league also has to take a factor as well they didn't have that last year so
1: yeah i don't think they're very good honestly I, I i genuinely don't think they're very good i think they get in the european cup last season via us having a pretty dreadful season chelsea having an absolutely dreadful season spurs nowhere to be seen and they kind of just were the byproduct of a team who had a manager came in who sort of knows what he's about but I don't think he's anything special he's got them in their relative discipline a relative amount of shape he had the bollocks to get rid of ronaldo which was a big thing and he just made them all right and he made them decent and we're not that far off them in the end you know for a while we thought it was united that we were going to have to catch up to get in the top four. And I think uh, they end up eight points ahead of us because we draw our last two and they win their last two. But for a while, we thought that that, that was actually possible to get in the top four over Manchester United. Um, You know, obviously, you can say the 7-0 is a freak result, but good teams don't get beaten 7-0 by their rivals. It just doesn't happen. I think there was a hell of a lot that came out of that game where everyone was saying how well organized they were beforehand how dangerous they were in the break beforehand and we just end up absolutely making mince meat of them and i don't think that that was like out of out of character for for that team that were pretty spineless at times in terms of like how fernandez acted in that game and i don't know like it wouldn't shock me if they just drop out of the top four this season. If anyone sort of gets their act together, if us and Chelsea, you know, let's say, let's say we are as uh, you know as strong as we would like to be, I think we definitely get in the top four. Don't think City or Arsenal drop out. So like, if Pochettino's shaved off a bit of the dead meat and gets and on the left and Sterling on the right and half decent striker down the middle, they could pick up a few points quite easily. So. You know, I wouldn't be entirely confident that they even get in the European Cup. In terms of challenging for the the uh, the title, I mean, you're right. Onana is a, a is a decent signing. He's an upgrade on what they have. Mason Mount is a decent signing. He's an upgrade on what they have. But it's not like the marquee signing. Like for example, I, I think if we signed soboslai and Mount, I think I think soboslai is still the marquee signing. But that you know, I rate soboslai very highly. And then, yeah, but
0: Andy, Andy, the marquee signings haven't actually
1: worked for them, have they? Ronaldo, Pogba, Sancho. I'm just talking about the level of player, not the not necessarily the uh, the money spent. You know, I, th- I think you know McAllister could be seen as a more marquee signing than Mount, but he was 20 million less. And then the kid they're signing up front, albeit has quite a decent record at international level. And to be fair, I've watched a couple of those Denmark games that he's played in. Um, because they're obviously in the same group as Northern Ireland and you know he does look a handful when he's on it but he was a rabbit in the headlights when he played Northern Ireland and his record at club level isn't particularly brilliant so do I think he's going to come in and score 30 goals? Not yet he might do in a couple of years so you know you think back to 2017 2018 we're what 19 points off City albeit we get to the Champions League final and we reverse that down to one point and then win it by about 19 points. And we do that with the signings of Van Dijk and Allison. And uh, what I think Mount's a good signing, do I think he's their Van Dijk? Ignore the positional comparison. No, I don't. Do I think O'Nana's a good signing? Yes. Do you think he's Allison level? No, I don't. They're not closing that gap to the top in a normal season, never mind in an era where Pep Guardiola's City regularly get 95-plus points, in my opinion.
0: All right, fair, Chief Andy. Andy said something there which you and I have said for quite a number of years now. Man United, I just don't think they're very good. We've yeah. been there. I, re- I remember you and I uh, went to watch the game where it's it's uh, four it's four nil at half time. Um, yeah and we absolutely destroy them. And I remember the pair of us sitting in the big house just thinking, so going, we're going to hammer these things because they're just not very good. And we were absolutely good. vindicated. Now, don't get me wrong. I think they're less not very good than they were under Shar. because I think I said at that time, they're just not very good, was probably doing them a bit of a favor. But, you know, yes, I think they've still got issues. But, you know, you look at the signs previously. Did Maguire, did we expect Maguire to improve them? Not really. Did we expect Anthony to improve them? Not really. Did we expect Sancho to improve them? Maybe. But did they really need a centre-forward? Probably. Instead of sending you know, two players that could potentially play where you want to play Rashford and or Martial. So I know they've signed a centre forward, but it still doesn't look like they've solved kind of the key issues in their squad, does it? Aside from the goalkeeper, really. Yeah, and the goal, the
2: goalkeeper, yes, I mean he's a he's a goalkeeper who can certainly enable them to play for the pitch because he he can play with his feet. So that's the that's the big change. Um, will he? Will he pull off as many ridiculous saves as the guy? Who knows. Um, but he's also, you know, it's first time in the Premier League as well, so it'll be interesting to see how he adapts and stuff. I'm sure it'd be fine, but it's a it's a big position, and they're you know sort of hanging their hat on that. Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm still there with with I. I don't really think they're that good. I mean, I just. I, 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 their season last season would sort of it sort of died out a bit, didn't it? Like it fizzled out towards the end. I mean, I know they they sort of, as Andy mentioned earlier, they ended up getting third, and they 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 won the their last couple of games, so there was a bit of distance between us. But they were the team that people and pundits and the likes of us were were thinking they they are the ones that probably could drop the points. Um, they have the league cup win. Um, but then they have the the FA Cup sort of embarrassment, basically, um, where they're, they're you know, they're never really in it, um, which is a bit of a damn squib for them at the end as well. And Andy's right, you, you don't get beat 7-0. I mean, the, when we were saying we don't think they're very good, we only beat them 5. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, we kind of stopped, but um, could have been more than 7 this time as well. So, there's definitely a soft underbelly there. Fernandez, I think it's been made club captain. Is is that right? I think I heard that. Um, obviously Mason Mounds come in. Um, he's how he he fits there is going to be interesting. How it works. Um, on the face of it, he could be he, he could be exactly what they need. But you know, you were sort of keen on him coming to us. I was a bit more dubious. So we'll we'll see how he fits in there. Um, and Johnny Evans, yeah. Johnny Evans is just cover, obviously, coming in with a bit of experience and obviously haven't been at the club before and whatever, maybe with a view to becoming a coach at some point. Um, but your man that we were looking at before, Hoyland, is it? Is that how we're pronouncing it? The yeah,
0: um, Hoyland, yeah, girl? Hoyland, yeah, yeah, let's go with that.
2: He, um, He's he's an unknown quantity, isn't he? I mean, he's what got fifty or sixty senior appearances, something like that, at club level. From what I can I can see there,
0: maybe a few more, but that's that's what I could muster. And, yeah, it's interesting because there's not exactly a, a, you know, a surplus of really good, strong, quick, big, physical number nines out there. Yeah, that that's as maybe, but it's interesting that decided
2: to sort of take a a bit of a punt i suppose on um on such a young player at such a high fee um it's it it sort of hints at the fact that they think they're still certainly a project that they're in transition that that, that this is going to take a few more years to to really you know peak so um you know, it'll be interesting to see the steps that they make. But I think Andy's right. They're not bridging the gap to the top this season, certainly. Um, and you never know if it doesn't quite go right for them. And as Andy says, um, we get our act together and one other team does. Um, if, you know, if Newcastle manage to stay into it, I think we're going to chat about them in a minute. But if if, if, um, uh, if Newcastle manage to stay in it and we get our act together, then they could be the team that, that, that drops out so yeah no, none of the signings that they've made make me think they're that they're gonna you know massively improve next season uh could be
0: proven wrong but let's see yeah um let's be honest say they are it does look like they have some sort of a plan but at the same time um the signings you know they're, they're a bit Look, they haven't really lost anybody significant. De Gea, you know, we knew that we knew the manager. We knew the manager knew he was the best he had available. Was absolutely the opposite of what he needed. Um, but it, it kind of looks a bit. He's going back to Ajax and buying another player that he's familiar with. That's fine. The Mount one looks like it's just a bit of a safe bet. Now, don't get me wrong. I I, I think it's really really sensible in a team that that needs to be tactically, you know, attuned to what the manager wants them to do, carry out instructions in the pets. That's everything we know we've heard about Mason Mount, so I think that makes total sense. And then the Hoyland one, it sounds like a bit of an AX signing on steroids. You know the way they generally bring people in, and it's um, under the radar. <sighs> Luis Suarez is, is, is just a really good example of that, where Plucked Them From Nowhere, um, But it it seems like a a club too late. And, you know, I'm not sure how comfortable I would be paying that much money on a forward. We can kind of compare that to to Nunez. Um, Although he had a season in the Champions League, he had a season scoring 30-plus goals and the transfer fees ultimately less. And then there's the other, um, which is probably sensible enough, Maybe not the calibre they need of midfield destroyer kind of, you know, runner about her in Amrabat, which is being moved at the minute. So they may not be finished, but yeah, they they kind of stumble their way to top four towards the end of the year. Chiefs and Chelsea. I think they'll still be miles away, but potentially Spurs, potentially us. Not sure where Newcastle will be. We'll talk about it. Do you expect them to get into the top four? Newcastle. No, United
3: Man um, United. I don't know. I would say that the battling for fourth. Um that place is up for grabs. Defo, Um I think we'll be much improved next season. Um City obviously a city. I'd imagine Arsenal will have a fall off naturally because of the weight of competition they've got to compete in but they might just have enough to you know wrap up a position within the top three and then the next spot is up for grabs it'll literally be a free throw Um because obviously we you don't know what what's going to happen with Spurs if Kane stays if Kane goes did he bring any more in did he not they've got Posta Coglu what's he going to do sort of thing Newcastle have got the Champions League to contend with United have got the Champions League to contend with as well Um have they made the right signings? I don't think they have. And then, yeah, you, you know, Chelsea, Pochettino and probably another 15 new players between now and when we play them next weekend. So it's just a bit of a whole unknown, maybe those, but just a level of like what they already know that they used to. And I know that maybe is contradicting what we are because we've had such a huge turnover in midfield. But the defence and keeper, stayed the same. The attack has stayed the same and as we mentioned earlier on seems to be connecting a lot better so you know there's a level of consistency across our teams but with united i think yeah these are all spot on and they're just not that very good and it's it's no surprise anymore that united get beat at home like roll the clock back 10-15 years ago with a team drew at old trafford it was a shock result and Numerous teams have gone there and in recent years you, know, you think like, you know, Brentford come up not so long ago, went there get got the results Fulham have been there, got the results, Palace you know so many teams have gone to United and taken points off them on their own back garden and you think that that, that can't be allowed to happen Like we, we were livid the season, we were bad when we lost six on the spin at Anfield any spin at Anfield, any loss at Anfield, is, it hurts like, no matter who it is but we always pride ourselves on always having a, a fortress at home and being pretty much most of the season unbeaten. We, we drop very few points at home and for United to allow that, it is odd. Um, yeah, we've got to technically overtake them league position-wise, but I do think we are a lot further ahead of them anyway. Just in general, we just had a really, really bad season. Um I don't really think they've got the right players for what they need. The defence is still a bit of a shambles. Like Harry Maguire is still there, whether he features or not, clearly. It doesn't look like he's in the plans, but they can't shift him for love nor money. Whether some Saudi lunatics will come in and give them money for them, who knows. But I feel like they need a better player at right-back. They probably will improve with Amrabat in midfield, but I don't think this siren or this Danish kid is right it, it seems like it's a year or two too early um, and then that if he's going to be coming in and playing down the middle then he is shunting Rashford to the left and then that raises question marks as to okay well where does Sancho play where does Anthony play where does Martial play where does Garnaccio play there's so many you know, players there who are going to want to play but won't be able to it just seems to create a, a level of disruption so I'm not wholeheartedly worried about them in terms of competitiveness across us with the season. I think the Champions League as well will also be a major distraction for them. So, yeah, I would fancy us clearly to finish above them next year.
0: Okay, Chris, we're just all kind of still comfortable with the fact that Man United just aren't very good. I'm quite happy with that. Andy. I don't know what it is. I kind of, I kind of feel like Newcastle aren't very good either. I, I, I just don't understand. Um, maybe they are, but I feel like very. I have a newfound respect for Eddie Howe from from a tactical perspective. They conceded along with Manchester City, the least number of goals in the Premier League last year. They draw 14 matches, you know, but they keep picking up those points that they needed, you know. Uh, And that kind of says to me that although they draw 14 games, they get enough points to get over the line. And even the games that they lose, you look at the games against us, especially at Anfield, they're always in the game. Against the big teams, they're always in the game. They don't get a shellacking like manchester united got again their business has been very sensible-ish if not a little bit underwhelming Tenali, they brought in for big money honestly personally i i don't think he's you know i don't think he makes it into the italian national team in that midfield, I think he's probably the fourth or fifth best Italian player in, in that area of the pitch. Um, they're looking to bring in, if it's not already done, I think it is on Harvey Barnes, which again, good player, good numbers, live wire. But again, they've a limited number of options, particularly in midfield, and they do have the Champions League to contend, to, to contend with that. And I can't help but think that They significantly overachieved last season
1: Yeah I agree with you I don't think they're particularly good either It's another one of those where You know For three months of the season I was saying like if the season started in January And only ran to May In March I was saying we could have got relegated That's how bad we were For three months of a nine month season And again we're pretty close to pipping them in the end. We give ourselves a wee bit too much to do, but we should be nowhere near that top four based on how we were playing. And then that's the supposed Newcastle brilliant team and brilliant season they have. And listen, you have to give them credit. And the funny thing is that people will say about Eddie High, well, of course you got them in the top four, you were backed by the Saudis, but actually the money hasn't really been spent yet. I know they had a big... Sort of rebuild and, and stuff like that, but like they were signing players like Dan Burn um, you know, like Chris Wood and, and stuff like that. They weren't exactly marquee signings, and nobody thought they were getting in the top four. So, um, it's probably not fair that High probably hasn't got enough credit for it, but I don't care because I think he's a dick personally. So him not getting the credit he deserves is uh, is irrelevant to me. I think Tonali, I don't know an awful lot about him. You can talk more about him. Um, 60 million odd. Could be a similar sign-in to the lad, Gamer Ice, who you know, nobody was really after at Lyon, as far as I can remember. He goes to Newcastle. He's one of the best players in the league. Tonali, from what I've seen, the very little I've seen, possibly can come in and do the same. He seems like he's a he, he's a bit of a leader. I think he captained AC Milan, if I'm not mistaken. Um Although it's absolutely hilarious because he seems to absolutely just pure hate his life at the minute from the videos that are coming out from Newcastle um, when he's been forced into that transfer a little bit or maybe the money they're paying. And Harvey Barnes, I think is a really good signing. It's the type of signing that that that, that we would have made three or four years ago um, that can I think can definitely take them to the next level. Because I agree, I don't think they're that brilliant in the, uh, in the attacking areas. Like Callum Wilson, okay, he'll score... He scored you plenty of goals. But I don't think he's a Champions League level striker. He's your Danny Ings. I, I, I
0: think he's might be really good, but he struggled with his availability and his fitness.
1: I think, yeah, to be fair, I forgot about Isaac. He, he is really good as well. But in the wide areas, like who, who do they have? I'm thinking some Maximan. He's obviously gone now. Anthony Gordon he gets a fair few games for them. Um, I'm not sure who else they really have, but like it's, know, really. it's kind
0: of like you're, you're kind of stressing back to to uh then uh
1: who's been to that midfielder. josh George murphy really. as well you know these aren't these aren't these aren't fantastic Champions League level players they're good players but not Champions League level players whereas Harvey Barnes I think will take them um to another level but ultimately yes you're right they've got Europe next season and where I stand on them is they're a decent side the game at Anfield will be tough the game at St James's will be tough I don't know if we're going to talk about the, the, the fixtures that we have, but for me, those first three games, I think we take seven points from. Um, You, you draw one of Chelsea or Newcastle, win the other, and you beat Bournemouth. I like think seven or nine points, realistically, if we're going to go for the title, we need to win that. Uh, we need to get that. And if at the end of the season, Newcastle are a worry to us, then that means that we haven't achieved what we've set out to achieve. So, yeah, if there are rivals next season, that means that we've had a pretty disappointing season, I think. Um, and, and yeah, the only teams I'm really interested in are Man City and Arsenal. If we're in a top four race again, then something's gone wrong. Um, because it means we haven't righted the wrongs of, of last season.
0: Yeah, Chief, I'm looking at Newcastle and it, it does look very much like a sensible approach to building a football club. Um not. City did it initially, but it was a little bit disjointed. They went out and bought players like your Craig Bellamy's and your Llanos and players like that and eventually moved themselves to a point where they were signing players like Yaya Toure and Sergio Aguero etc. But don't forget, etc. like Jekos, etc. before that. So it looks a bit like that but I also feel like the league position last year and where they feel they are is probably a little bit inflated given the struggles that Chelsea Spurs and ourselves had last year.
2: Yeah, but there's no guarantee that Chelsea Spurs and ourselves are going to sort ourselves out or sort, sort the teams out, whatever, however you want to put it. Like, I mean, obviously we all, we all hope and expect that Liverpool will, but you know, we're gonna talk about it I'd imagine in a bit or at least before the season starts. We're still we're still probably short of midfielders. We got a brand new manager in it's Spurs and potentially Harry Kane leaving. And even if he doesn't, um another year older and you know, another, you know, they're gonna to have to they're gonna to have to do some turn make some turnaround to, to pull themselves back into contention next season. Chelsea You don't think they're anywhere near, and and probably I don't either. The only thing they've got going for them is is Pochettino, really. The the club seems to be in a bit of disarray. They've got this crazy sort of billionaire owner and a mad squad and um, gone from having loads of players to no players. Um, So there's no guarantee. Newcastle got there, as you said, they drew, what, 15 games? So Newcastle got there by just hanging in there for fourteen basically. games, yeah, fourteen games. So more than a third of the season, um, they just hung in and didn't lose, and that's how they got to where they where they were. We we obviously had our fucking you know banana season where uh, we we absolutely fucking couldn't get off the floor until fucking um late in the game and and sort of made a push for it. But Newcastle got there by just hanging in and they're capable of doing the same again. The the one thing you'd sort of say is obviously they had an incredibly mean defence last season. They're all, um, you know, they relied, but they relied on people like like Kieran Trippier and so on. And he's another year older. Um, Can they be as solid? as like the likes of Fabian Sher in there and stuff having the season of his life is he going to is he going to keep that the sort of level up um those kinds of things everything sort of they had a bit of a fairy tale last season and that everything sort of did go right and Eddie Howe proved i think a few people sort of wrong including myself and in that he he sort of yeah as dave said was was more tactically astute than we sort of gave him credit for I always thought he was a bit of a one-trick pony, you know, nice football, but um, not much punch and, and you know, not, not particularly pragmatic and, and not particularly good at organising the defence and yada, 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 but sort of proved all that wrong. Can they maintain that? That's probably the, the big question. Obviously, if Isaac can or Isaac can stay fit, they've got a top striker there and they've got a, you know, at European level. And they've got a, a perfectly good Premier League striker there in Callum Wilson as well. So if they can alternate the games, perhaps, or or manage to at least stay fit for the majority of the season, they should have enough goals. They haven't really lost anything with Sam Maximum because he didn't really feature for them much last season. Um, Tanali. yeah, I don't know that much about, but as Andy said, he's he's sort of got a. Reputation for being a bit of a leader, um, but yeah, how, how he's going to adapt from Milan to to Tyneside, we'll we'll see. Um, so they could be there, thereabouts, basically. Like we need to, we need to up our game. If they, are, as Andy says, if they are arrivals, we haven't had the season we want to have. But there's no guarantee we're going to have the season we all hope and expect us to have. You know, um, so they're they're definitely going to be there, thereabouts. I'd say. In terms of in terms of I'm, the top four, you know, in terms of that top four picture and and, and getting into it,
0: yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think Jay with with um, I think this probably applies to United as well. But how much of an impact do you think those Champions League games will take it out of Newcastle? Because you can say yes, there'll be loads of teams playing. European football but I think Arsenal have been really sensible in the transfer market Um, Manchester United have kind of proved that they can go and compete all the way to European final or semi-final wherever they got to um, with that squad and and City or City but it's not like Newcastle can go into these Champions League games and rotate is it So that is something they have not had to contend with and certainly Eddie Howe hasn't had to contend with before.
3: I think they've overachieved last year in terms of where they finished so everyone obviously expected that the the influx of the Saudi money and the inevitable rise of Newcastle from, from what they've been in recent years you know up and down between the Premier League and the Championship and whatever um, you know the, the term sleeping giants was, was probably banded about a lot but you know they are a giant and football club in the area of the country that they're in one club in that city and stuff like that but they probably would have been more comfortable in getting into the conference league or the Europa League where okay there's you know that 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 stigma of Thursday nights and playing Sunday and always playing catch up on the rest of the league and whatever which we'll have to do ourselves but we're accustomed to playing you know every three or four days and as I mentioned earlier on we've now potentially got the opportunity to rotate a lot more because the level of competition won't be as as hard for us in the Europa League group stages yeah. as what it will be. And but, let's be
0: honest, Jay. Like playing, you know, playing Thursday, Sunday's fine, but there were sometimes we were playing on on a Wednesday night and playing on a Saturday at half twelve.
3: Yeah, yeah. or you're, you're playing, you know, you're, you're playing Saturday half five and you're away on a
0: Tuesday night somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Some so, but, uh, but that's not, no that's no issue to us, and we actually have yeah. the opportunity in, in in this competition to roll out Bobby Clarks or Ben Dokes or whoever it might be. But they can't do that because
3: exactly this is a big step. Like that's why I thought If they got Europa League, it would have been a natural regression for them because, you know, the, look at the lads they brought in. Tonali, I don't know much about, but you know, AC Milan have been up and down in recent years. And Harvey Barnes, who is is a talented kid, but has been at Leicester and probably had maybe one year in European football. You know, they're hardly bringing in lads who've been staples of european competition even if they've gone to you know the likes of likes of psv or ajax or Sevilla, um you know who else is german seems that you think like dortmund or maybe Bayer leverkusen and and took a couple of lads from there who've who've been in european competition on a regular basis the last two or three years you know lads who who know what to do and when they go to these tough european away games you might be able to drag you through. I don't think they've got that at all. And I think, you know, it's, it was mentioned that can they get enough in terms of goals and stuff like that? I, I'm not sure. I can I can see them them stumbling out the Champions League pretty quickly. I don't, I don't think they'll get past the group stage at all. I think they might be lucky and end up in the Europa League, but I wouldn't be surprised if they crashed do, out very early. Do you know, I
2: think it's a bit of a free hit for them. Do you, not, do you think maybe they're um, sort of a bit of ha- ahead of schedule almost on their... Yeah,
3: on yes, their that's what they and are, they can- and maybe it is a free hit, but will that then hinder them in what they can recruit? You know, if they crashed out the Champions League early and maybe don't make the Champions League next season because the competition within the Premier League is a lot more competitive for the teams who had really bad seasons, you know, does that then... Hindered them, you know, for the next couple of years. Where had they have got Europa League football, and you know, maybe trundled through to like the last sixteen, and maybe got it again the year after. At least they're slowly building up the ladder. I think they've jumped too many rungs on the ladder too quickly, and I just think it's it's going to affect them in you know a negative way. Which you know, as Liverpool fans, we're not too bothered because it means that we are one less competitive rival in the league, and that's good for us. Absolutely.
2: yeah
0: totally oh, hopefully so hopefully so okay um let's, let's just look to just to finish this off here andy um we've gone back in with like 25p more than the previous Lavia um offer which has been immediately rejected um and i don't know coincidentally these Andre links seem to have come out again and and like I just wonder is there is there a tactic here that um I think two things for me I, I I don't think this is just about paying less money for Lavia I think this is about showing The whole footballing world as we have done previously that you can't just set a price and we're just going to come and pay it and if you negotiate for like five weeks it's not like you're just eventually going to get us there um so it's not just about this transfer it's about all of our transfers it's about how we conduct business and the andre links almost feel to me like to try and put a little bit of pressure on southampton to say look you can you can keep him if you want because we can just go and get this other lad instead, or let's have a
1: conversation about where we can meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah, um, as you know, like, I'm not a big sort of FSG out man or, like, transfer nonce. I think me and you are kind of on the same sort of page with that. Um, you know, I had sympathy with, with, with what happened last summer because, I, you know, I thought, to be fair, we were within inches of a quadruple, which no team's ever done before, and I understood why Klopp might want to show a bit of loyalty. Obviously, it turned out to be the wrong decision, but I didn't think it was the scandal that some people made it out to be. Um, So, you know, I'm far from someone who will just say, buy anyone, pay any price, this, that and the other. That said, we're, we're currently 12 days, as we record, from Chelsea away, and we were in a midfield crisis last season and we've lost five midfielders and we've signed two of them and we're very publicly haggling over this deal and there's just something about it that's that's not really good enough for me. I'm not sure, like, obviously how things are playing out in the media and what we hear from your Reddies and your Joyces and your Pierces and your Hornsteins aren't how transfers actually play out on the phone and, and, and over the negotiating table, but like, they rejected the bid last week. And we heard on around Wednesday that we were preparing a second bid. Now, I don't know how these things work, but how much preparation needs to go into a fucking bid that you know exactly how much money you're going to offer and you know how many add-ons you're going to offer? Why does this? You know, what's being prepared here? And I'm sure I'm being a bit naive, but, like, Jesus Christ, get on with it, Liverpool. Um, And I think there's just a middle ground between just pay them what they want and you know it's absolutely fine because we're negotiating I think you know come on we've known we've known about this for quite a while we've known we've needed players in quite a while even I know what people will say you know we didn't expect the Henderson Fabinho thing I think even with that you'd still wanted Lavia in and to sort of like learn from and progress to that Fabinho level over the years so I don't know sometimes it's just not quite sitting right with me about the whole thing and You know, whether Andre, I've I've never heard anything about him, and it would be great because when Dave Karen's Wi-Fi um, turns on in six months, he'll be able to tell us everything. But I'm not sure. I'd like to sign him as well. I think there's every argument for getting a cheap one in. A project like that, you know, someone, I guess you're trying to find the the Caicedo before Caicedo's made the intermediary move where he then becomes 80, 90 million. You know, that's what you're trying to do with that. And I think that's a market, especially the South American market, we definitely should be targeting and being interested in because you can get some gems there who you can make into super players. But you're right in what you say about the the, the hardball approach. And what people seem to forget when they talk about Michael Edwards, and, you know, Michael Edwards was an incredible negotiator for us, got us some great deals, both in terms of outgoings and incomings. But it took us a summer or two to go from being seen as the dickheads who overpay for every single player, your Downings, your Carols, your Charlie Adams, um, you know, your Markovic's. We were seen as the dickheads who overpaid. And then we were seen as the team who had the, who, who got the, the amazing deals, but that didn't happen overnight. We had one or two summers of Michael Edwards saying, no, we're not going to pay what you're asking for, and teams going, (laughs) ha dead on, dickhead, we've seen you for the last two years. It took us two or three summers to actually prove that, no, 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 this is new now, and this is actually what we're doing. And I remember Edwards came in for a lot of criticism in our early doors at Liverpool, and people saying, you know, who is he? We don't see his face, he doesn't do any interviews. We weren't getting deals over the line. And then when teams realised, actually, okay, Liverpool are different now, that's when we started getting those good deals in. Um... And you know we've gone to julian ward it hasn't worked almost all of his signings haven't worked he's left the job after a year people saying he needs a break i think he's a bit of a cabbage he's been told he's not very good at his job but i suppose we'll never know um and we've gone from that where we've paid big money for players who who, who haven't done the business the likes of nunez um and now we're at schmacka and you know people will be testing him out people will be seeing does he you know, does he succumb to the pressure? Does he have one target that he's going to go for, and ultimately he's going to pay the money if you get him, if you know, if you if you keep him on the line long enough, or is, does he have other options? Is he not going to be taken as a fool? Um, and as much as I love Lavia, you know, we can't be seen as those clowns again who pay big money and, and pay whatever teams want, um, because that will be disastrous for the financial situation and the the transfer negotiation uh, negotiation situation. So. Yeah, I'm not sure. How confident are they that another team's not going to just put that that bid in? We know Chelsea are interested. We know United are interested. We know Arsenal were interested. You know, are we confident that if we walk away, that one of them are just going to steal in and take him? You know, I'm not necessarily sure it's a situation where if we walk away, he plays in the championship next year. I think there's every, every world in which another team steals in. Obviously, Chelsea bid 50 for him last summer, didn't they? So, yeah, not sure. But not sure why it's taken this long. And, you know, just rattle the bids off, Liverpool. Rattle the bids off. Try and negotiate. If they're sticking to 50 million, you don't want to pay it, go elsewhere. But don't drag this on for two or three weeks preparing bids. Um, Because at the minute, we're going to have to go to Stamford Bridge with Curtis Jones and the Six. And, like, it's just a bit negligent, I think. Yeah. um,
0: Jay. I think Andy comes to the point there's, there's been a number of other players that, that have been interested in Lavia. I think Liverpool are doing this thing that they do, that they, you know, they really kind of, <laughs> they really woo the player. It's Liverpool or nothing, it's Liverpool or nothing. But I think they're also looking at, or, or, or I don't know whether you agree with me or not, but I think United are obviously looking elsewhere, the likes of Amherst, um Arsenal have done Rice. Um, We know City don't need that sort of a player. And, you know, they've got the buyback clause anyway. And Chelsea... Chelsea are the ones that are sniffing around. But I think there's a big... Chelsea are essentially becoming Brighton's B team. And you kind of expect Saicedo to to get over the line at some point, the way they've been throwing money about. So are we waiting on things to settle down and just make sure Southampton are aware no matter what the player says, the market now also says, it's us or nothing if you want to cash in.
1: Can I steal in dead quickly here, because there's something quite relevant just breaking tonight, that West Ham have walked away for a deal for James Ward-Price, so obviously they're kind of going through the same situation where they think Southampton are just asking for a ridiculous fee, so maybe just a club-specific thing, this?
0: Yeah, potentially, and again, if they're not going to get their money for James Ward-Price, you know, where does that where does that put the um? Where does that put the Lavia deal now, Jay? I think well, well the long
3: and short of it is like Lavia's name was mentioned pretty much at the end of the season, wasn't it? Like as a player, we were interested in, um, and the price was the price. It was fifty million. That was quoted from the very beginning. Nothing's changed. So we've now received upwards of over 50 million quid now whether that's in the bank straight away or whether that's in the bank over the next couple of years for Fabinho and Henderson you know only the financial people know that but on paper we've received 50 million quid in so Southampton and Well within the right to dig the heels in and say well we told you it was 50 million at the start and if you said right well we're only offering 36 or whatever but well, you've just now got another 50 million quid in so Yes, have got the money there. Stop being so tight and being a minge bag about it. Just pay up. Um, I think if it is going to get done, it probably will be a deal rising to £50 million because Southampton owe 20% of any deal to Man City. So, obviously, they're looking for the maximum profit they can get because 20% of it is going to go to Man City. But I think if we can sort of agree a deal where there's a significant amount of add-ons, then that will go to Southampton. So I suppose that is the sticking point from, from all reports that are out there. Um, but it is concerning, like Andy said, that you know, we're, we're 12 days away from the beginning of the season and if he is our number one target for the number six position, whether that was at the start of summer to be a backup to Fabinho and slowly integrate over the year and potentially be the starter for the year after or throughout the season he becomes a starter, well, now that with Fabinho down and if Henderson was you know the backup, back up or whatever to that position and we've lost him as well then we're really late we should be pushing the button and getting it over the line and the links to this Andre kid who we've never heard of and as mentioned we, we asked Dave about three weeks ago but you know Dave's probably playing Tarzan and running around the jungle with his boxies around his head or something you know pretending that he can get wi-fi then we won't know what he's actually like until if he ever lands in Europe Um for anyone who's interested this podcast will have gone out by the time but he was playing tonight in the Copa Luis for Fluminese against Argentinos Juniors so you know there might be you know all these amateur internet scouts probably sitting there watching the game and I'm sure come Wednesday morning we'll have an in-depth report of how this player is and what he is and isn't so you know we await that one with base of breath but it's concerning that it's glaring holes that were there last year that we needed to fill. You know, we were we were shorter legs in midfield. We've we've improved in the attacking elements of legs with the lads we brought in so far, but defensively we can see the too many. And if you are to play Trent Alexander Arnold in this, you know, hybrid six advanced role, whatever people want to call it, the fact of the matter is with a defender down because he's playing so far up the pitch. The person who plays number six slash defensive midfield, whatever you want to call it, again, is going to have to do a lot of defensive work because if Kanata is shuffling out wide to help out where Trent's vacated that space, Fandi cannot cover all that space in midfield. You are going to need legs in front of him, so it just
1: also Jay weird. Robertson isn't like playing like a. And Nathan Akey, left centre back, he's still bombing down the left. So he's he's not a he's not a centre
3: back. That's that's the long and short of it, isn't it? Like he's not a centre back. He he can do some defensive work, but his natural instinct is to go forward. So you're basically saying to Van Dijk, who is not the Van Dijk of three years ago because of injuries and whatever, he's naturally lost a little bit of his, you know, overall game to basically cover the pitch with Kanati, the whole defensive, you know, fair of the pitch, it's, it's ludicrous what we're doing at times, but high risk, high reward, maybe, but at the same time, we're leaving the back door wide open, and if we're if we're gambling on the names that are being out there, what we've got, you know, Curtis Jones, Thiago, if he's around, if he's available, if he's ever fit, Stefan Bissetta, who's still a kid, these aren't players who we can hand the keys over and say, like, you need to sit there and protect the back two lads because naturally they've not got that in the game so far. We've never seen that. We need to buy someone who is, you know, you, you, Nina springs to mind for me as a Mascherano type who's basically just there to do all the dirty work and make sure nothing gets passed. And if they are going to try and get past, they're getting a kick in the shin for it. Yeah,
0: Chief, just to finish off, I think Jay has a point there. I, I think the issue here is just. <laughs> A Mascarano type doesn't really exist at the moment in that area of the pitch. Um, Similar to kind of what we were talking about, United having a very limited, uh, you know, shopping list of number nines that can fill that position. We're kind of the same in the sixth position. Um, But I think people are talking we need three or four, which is fine. I kind of agree. Um, But in the midfield area, I think it's interesting. You look at Jones, Bessette, Tiago, Elliot, and then McAllister and Sabozdai. There's six, all right? And we're saying we've kind of lost five signed You're saying there's a the surplus of three there. Okay, so we need to send at least three. I think the interesting thing for me is between Henderson, Kaida, Ox, Fabinho, and Milner, you've got... Uh, what is that? You know, less than a hundred starts between the five of them. That's less than that's less than twenty games on average. And I think more uh, importantly, it's it's eight thousand three hundred and fifty minutes. Now, you kind of, if you want to look at that in terms of Fabinho, Fabinho placed three thousand five hundred minutes last year. So they might just be looking at that, thinking we've lost the equivalent of three players in terms of minutes on the pitch. And it might be that we actually only sign one more midfielder based on that. That to me sounds very, very FSG. I don't know what you think.
2: Yeah, I mean it seems plausible because the players that we've lost, certainly in terms of in terms of Oxide Chamberlain Cadera in particular, you know, they hardly played, they hardly featured, and that was sort of the whole the whole point. Um Miller's obviously a different kettle of fish, and that he may not have started that many games, or, or but he was he was a regular sort of go-to sort of player and in an integral figure in the squad. Um, but yeah, I can I can see the logic there, and I can I can see how that might happen. But I can you know I fully agree with Andy that if you if you know you need a six, you know don't be dicking about 12 days before the season starts without without a six, basically. Um, and if you are sort of thinking about experimenting, then certainly don't leave yourself short just in case those experiments don't work. Um, we've sort of diced with death or you know danced on the volcano far too many times uh, under this, Ownership and you know with this management. Um, it's been one of the most successful periods in, in our history, but at the same time it could have been so much better with uh, just just slightly uh, more investment or slightly more forethought perhaps at times. Um, so I don't want them to make the same mistakes again, quite frankly. Um, if they are going to go and do Lavia, they should do it. They should have done another one as well. Uh, we should perhaps be in the frame for somebody like a, you know, to, for a destroyer, uh, for someone who just does the the mopping up, the tackling, the, the breaking up and, and allows others to play. Um, but we'll see. I mean, everybody raves about Lavia and there must be a lot to it because literally, you know, everybody, does. Um, nothing but, but but glowing reports, um, so hopefully he's he can come in and, and sort of not take too long to kind of bet him, but but he is a young lad and you're looking at the midfield there in the likes of sort of Jones and Bicicic and and Elliot you mentioned and uh, if Lavia comes in, you know, they're all they're all really, really young. So Bosla as well as young, uh, a little bit further forward, um, so you know the average age is, is drastically dropped with the likes of Henderson and Milner and Fabinho all leaving the squad. So it, you know it's it's
0: that's not necessarily
2: a bad thing. Okay. I'm not saying it's bad. Like I'm just saying it is a thing, though. It's it, you know you'll notice it. You know what I mean? There'll be there'll be good parts to it, and there'll be sort of not not so good parts to it. That that's normal. And natural and things have to evolve but it's going to be a it's a big shift um sort of quietly that's gone on there so we could do with 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 a stabilizer in there and one who's potentially 26 27 years old it would be nice uh it, do, it doesn't look like we're going to get it at this point but but you never know um but I think you're right. I think they, they very probably, from all the noises, are just going to do the one. And it, it seems like it's going to be, Lavia.
0: All right. So, Lavia, it is. So, lads, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, until next time, up the FSG out, Reds.